Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep in the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What a jump ball! This team's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first half. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. I'm your host, Mike Angolano, and as always, I'm joined by Aaron Johnson. Aaron, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Mike. It's a, a, a great new time for the Palace of Pistons podcast. Some exciting news, uh, an exciting time. I'm happy to bring it in uh, this new time with the original co-host of the show with me. Uh, so very, very exciting times, Mike. Yes. Um, somewhat exciting times for the Pistons as well. Um, lots of change. Unfortunately, no big news to break down regarding Blake Griffin. Um, has not been bought out. Um, has not changed teams. Uh, hopefully that will... Uh, happen in the coming weeks here but you know in the meantime you get a good look at some of these young pistons and um we'll be definitely talking about several of them uh today as well as the coach who's going to be maybe leading the charge the rest of the way you know we're not not exactly sure um but for detroit you know very very young team they've had a lot of ups and downs and mostly downs um outside of Blake Griffin, who's obviously the most disappointing piston that uh, we have seen, at least this year outside of him, who has been the most disappointing player for the Pistons? Yeah, that's a good question because there's definitely have been some disappointing players so far this season. And I think you can go in multiple directions here uh, because there are, multiple guys that have underperformed this season and haven't lived up to what maybe uh, was hoped for them. I think one guy that I don't really think has played bad this season, but I was just expecting more out of was Sekou Dumboya. Uh, he's kind of been in and out of the rotation, but he's just not doing anything to really – showcase hey i'm here year two i've improved a lot i'm ready to go you know this is the this is the the next iteration the next step that i've taken um i don't think it's entirely on him i think he's being pigeonholed into a situation that's not exactly great for him Uh, he doesn't have a major role in the offense his minutes are sporadic um But at the same time, this is a player that is not shooting the ball well, under 36% on the season. He started off the year hot from beyond the arc. He's down to 27.3% from the three-point line. Um, He is not some elite defender. I think he's had some nice games. Definitely when the Pistons played the Bucs like three times in four games. Uh, he had some nice moments against Giannis. Uh, you know, he's he's had games where he's had all-around good performances. But there have been too many nights where he just doesn't look 
I don't know, maybe comfortable is the, is the right word to use. Uh, or he looks passive. Um, he's He's got a lot of tools. He's still very young. He's still very raw. This is by no means me giving up on him because I am still confident that he will be a good NBA player. But I will say I was expecting a little bit more out of him this season. Granted, when the Pistons drafted him, the uh, you know the honest truth, the, the point of it was, look, this guy is raw. This is a project-type prospect. I just thought the project would have maybe gotten – had a little bit more progress completed uh, 26 games into year two. He looks unpolished. Um, you know, he looks unpolished. Is there a player who would benefit more from the G League than him? I mean, you could argue that Dennis Jr. would. He was willing to accept a, a G League bubble stint, um, you know, to improve his game with the Knicks and try to find a role with them. So, you know, it's, I, I think it's certainly possible that um, he just needs time in the G League. He needs consistent playing time. He has not had that, but he looks unpolished. He, you're right, he is passive. And I think some of those things get ironed out a little bit when you just body up people in the G League and you just dominate them because you're a more physical being. But he, he does look passive. And I think, you know, this is going to be an, an important stretch um, for Seku because he's not on the fence of being off the team next year or in deep water, but it just seems like Troy Weaver is going to, you know, move around whatever he feels is necessary to make the team better. And if it doesn't look like, a player is producing or he wasn't drafted by Troy Weaver, you know, you want to have your own guys in there. I think there's a distinct possibility that he could be, you know, lumped into a trade with a bad contract to kind of move that contract. Maybe that contract is Blake Griffin. Maybe it's not. Um, but yeah, he has been disappointing, but the next, well, really rest of the season. Now that Blake's not going to suit up again. I think this is a pivotal time for Sekou to really flex his muscles a little bit, at least show something, show something. I mean, even Saban Lee, that most of us kind of, you know, tossed aside in our little preview podcast because we didn't really know how much he was going to contribute. There's a lot of guards on that team. A lot of those guards are now either hurt or have been traded away. So he's had an opportunity. Um, even he has made the most of his minutes and is, uh, you know, you know, <laughs> making making the most of his time on the court. And I don't think that you can say the same for Seku, at least not yet. Yeah, it, it's been disappointing because the reality of the situation is you, there's not really an opportunity to send him down to the G League right now. Uh, it would have made sense if they could have done it when Blake Griffin was still playing. But, you know, the bubble had just was, you know, had just has just started a couple weeks ago. And Seku was also out with a concussion. It really would have benefited him. I think you made a great point of him being able to go down to the G League and just kind of find himself a little bit, dominate against some lesser competition, build up yourself a little bit, 
get games where you're playing 35 minutes a night, ideally, and just be able to go down there and do your thing. Now, I will say it doesn't help that the Pistons didn't send down their G League team to the bubble because you look at this roster and Seku, Davidas Servitas, and Saban Lee, obviously he looks like he's going to be part of the fixture of the rotation for the current time being. We'll get into that more later. But those are three guys on your roster that should probably be in the G League right now. Just let's be honest. Seku is not looking like a, a legitimate NBA player right now. Uh, I, I've given him plenty of time. I still think he does some good things. But him going down to the G League for three, four games would do wonders for him. It would it would do wonders for him. Letting him build a rhythm, get some legitimate playing time, find confidence uh, would just be huge. And then it, you also see the added benefit for Saban Lee, Frank Jackson, Davida Servitas. You know, um, the Pistons are fortunate that their rookies have no business being in the G League because then it would look really bad for them to not have their G League team in the bubble. Um, but I think now Seku's in a spot where there's really not an opportunity for him to go down as an affi- to a different team's affiliate and play because there's no more forwards on this roster. Outside of Jeremy Grant at the four spot, the Pistons' only other option is, is really Seku unless they go small and they go with Sadiq. Um you know, that's kind of their only option. So now Seku has to kind of prove it. And there's still time left in the season. You know, he has plenty of games left this year to figure it out, this and that. But it needs to start happening at the same time because we're 26 games in and I'm still just – I'm seeing a very similar player to his rookie season. And he had some great flashes in his rookie season, just like he's had a couple games this year where he's looked the part. But it's it's got to start to come together completely. By no means am I out on Sekou Dumboya. Uh, he's shown the flashes. He has the tool set. He has a coach in Dwayne Casey that can develop him, has shown he can develop players. If the Pistons continue to put a good support staff around him and, and Seku is committed to growing and getting better, I'm I'm still confident that he's going to figure it out. I think this this kid has a lot of potential still. I that being said, I really expected more this year, and it's no doubt disappointing that we're still having the games that we're having with with Seku. You kind of answered my my question for you already. Is that are you out on Seiku? And it's you know it's it's impossible to be out on a player after a shortened season last year and now a truncated season this year with a lot of inactivity over the summer. You know he had he had a couple of a couple of personal issues over the summer as well, if I recall correctly. Um, on top of the off time not being around the team, and that really has. <clears throat> an effect on guys, you know, not everybody. Some people can just be away from the team and they're fine. But if you take them out of that structured environment, 
you know, maybe things change. And I think that was the case for a lot of young guys last year, but what would you have to see? Like, like what are some theoretical um, points that Seiku would have to hit for you to be like, okay, okay, this is trending in the right direction. And I don't mean like a stat line. I don't mean like an averaging stat line because that's not always indicative, especially on bad teams of players who are, are playing well or showing improvement. Um, I'm having the same argument with with Darius Garland for the Cavs, who had 21 and eight yesterday. He had 21 points, eight assists yesterday. And um, people are saying he should be traded off the team. So, you know, stats are not totally indicative of a player playing well, but what are some things that you would like to see from Seku before the end of the year that would put you back on the right track of, okay, okay. The team feels that he can be this sort of player. He can do these things. We can kind of see where he fits into the rotation. Like, like, what are you, what are you hoping to see? I think the biggest thing for me is, is assertiveness. And I want to see Seku go out there and I want to see him demand an opportunity, demand shots, demand attention on the court. You know, there are times where he'll get it and, you know, he'll go at the rim and he'll just kind of, you know, nonchalantly go up towards the basket and he either, you know, misses, gets blocked, the shot gets altered, whatever. Like, this dude is 6'9", he's long, he's athletic. Go at the rim with some power, with some anger, you know, Make the defense hit you to stop you. That was something that he was actually doing early in the year very well is he was attacking the rim and drawing fouls. And now it's just kind of too many shots at the rim where it's just weak, not aggressive, and he needs to be more aggressive. He needs to be more aggressive, not just in that way, but going and getting the basketball, taking the basketball, you know, taking shots. Uh, making sure that his minutes on the court, he's visible and, and he's not just running to a corner and standing there, you know, cut to the basket. Like he was again, so good at earlier in the season, make sure you're getting looks Ro- rotate around, find the open spot on the court, rebound, attack the glass, do those type of things that where. Maybe you're not going to get 20 points in a game, but make an impact nonetheless. You know, this is a team that the shot distribution, it's available because outside of Jeremy Grant, there's really not a guarantee on any given night from anyone. I think Josh Jackson is pretty good at at finding his way to get into double figures. Sadiq Bey is getting there as well. But outside of that, there's just a whole lot of opportunity on this team. And again, we're going to talk about him later, but Saban Lee is the perfect example of, you know, finding that opportunity that's there, exposing it and making the most out of it. And that's really what Seku needs to do because there is a glaring opportunity for him right now with Blake Griffin out of the fold. He has the opportunity to really cement himself and show why the Pistons were so excited to get him in the last draft. So that's really what I'm looking for. Can Seku become more aggressive and more dominant in the sense of taking the basketball and making the most out of his minutes? Right. I mean, he's 6'8", big guy, 
lanky and I, you know, he, he does need to be aggressive. Now there's not a whole lot of shooting on the team that I think would make, make it maybe easier to open things up a bit for, for him um, to be aggressive and, you know, get downhill. Um, He is athletic enough to do some of that stuff. Um, But yeah, he needs to be more aggressive. Um, That's just kind of, that's kind of the long and short of it, but I am on, I am looking at, at him on cleaning the glass and his turnover percentage quite a bit lower this year from what it was last year um, for what it's worth, obviously in very, very limited play time and in limited minutes per game, he's only averaging 12 minutes per game, which you probably don't want to see, uh, you know, moving forward, he needs to be getting some more playing time. And that kind of parlays into our, um, another topic that we have later on in the podcast with Dwayne Casey, um, other than Seku, because we've really hammered on Seku, and I'm starting to feel bad. Yeah, anybody other than Seku and Blake Griffin that you kind of were hoping for more out of that you would think would have been better? And no, Dennis Smith Jr. doesn't count. He's only been here for a short amount of time. Um, but anybody else that sort of thought like, you know, I wish they would have been a little bit better at, at X or whatever. Yeah, you know, I, I think Svi could really be your only other – answer here outside of maybe Killian Hayes, but you know, with Killian Hayes being limited only seven games and then getting hurt, I kind of think that disqualifies him as well. Uh, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. You know, the rookies have been so solid. Josh Jackson has been good. Jeremy Grant has obviously been very good. Uh, I think Svee, not that I really hoped I wasn't on the Svee can, can take over the Luke Kennard role. Because Fee just doesn't have the ball handling, distributing abilities that Kennard brought to the table. Uh, he's a good shooter, no doubt about it, but just doesn't have the same skill set of Kennard. So I never bought into that, but I was certainly hoping that there was going to be more to him this season, and there just really hasn't. Um, that's really th- that would be the really the other guy that really sticks out to me uh, in that regard. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I'm actually combing through the roster here, and uh, Svi is the only one that really makes sense. I mean, I don't really think people had huge expectations for Jalil Okafor. I mean, maybe if you put down a prop bet for embarrassed Rodney Magruder, you could be disappointed that the Warriors decided to just dismantle him. But other than that, yeah, I kind of was hoping for Svi because I remember talking about him as a possible, you know, guy who could, who could really blossom into something and make himself um, more known and and really take advantage of some of those minutes, especially since, like I said earlier, the lack of shooting on a team or at least consistent shooting um, because he is a good three point shooter. Um, But he, he definitely hasn't shown it this year um, in a way that we were hoping for. Plus there's just a glut of other guys playing well. I don't think anybody expected Sadiq Bay to play this well. And, you know, maybe we did expect Derrick Rose to be traded, but I don't think we expected Killing Hayes to get hurt. Obviously now DeLon Wright is playing more. So injuries and quality play from other players have sort of pushed, pushed everything around and, and, and Speed just hasn't, hasn't quite made the most of his time on the court either. Um, okay. I think we've drilled that. Uh, speaking of DeLon Wright, he's out for the next two weeks 
Uh, yikes. Point guards just dropping like flies, whether it be a trade or via injury. Um, what sort of move or change do the Pistons need to make to the roster, or should they just stick with Dennis Smith Jr., gulp, and, uh, you know, Frank Jackson, Saban Lee, and this is where we'll get into our Saban Lee discussion. Yeah, I know it's a scary thought to, to just stay put, but if I'm Detroit, that's what I'm doing. Again, I know that that is very scary. But the flip side is this. You have Saban Lee, who's a rookie point guard, who on Sunday night had a really good game, mind you, uh, was scoring the ball, attacking the basket, getting to the rim. He rebounded. He had five assists. He looked good. He's probably not going to play that good every night, but you have an opportunity right now to give him consistent NBA minutes and allow him time to develop on the court. He's not going to be able to play every single game this year because of the fact that he's on a two-way contract and two-way contracts are limited to 50 days with the main club. So that being said, this is the time for Saban Lee to get the bulk of his opportunity in Detroit this year. With DeLon Wright out for the next two weeks, Saban Lee can play. Oh, I'm not exactly sure how many games the Pistons have over the next two weeks, but let's say you know six to eight games that he can get on the floor and, and develop. I, I think the Pistons have to capitalize on that opportunity. I, I think there was a plan all year that it was likely going to be Killian Hayes rather than Saban Lee, but there was going to be a lot of opportunity for a rookie point guard. And with with Hayes hurt and DeLon Wright hurt, now it's Saban Lee's opportunity. So I think it's important to, to make sure that he is a fixture of the rotation for the coming weeks, uh, allowing him time to develop an opportunity to showcase what he has because he has, even when he got into the games earlier in the season for sparing minutes, he looked willing and able to contribute at an NBA level. So I think, you know, it would be wise for Detroit to uh, continue to allow him to play and grow. Obviously, Dennis Smith Jr. is a little bit of a different story. He's not been in Detroit very long, uh, and he has struggled more than he has succeeded. Uh, That goes for his tenure in the league, not just for his tenure with the Pistons, but through six games with Detroit, he's shooting under 31% from the field. He's shooting 25% from the three-point line. Uh, He's averaging just 2.5 assists compared to 1.7 turnovers per game. Uh, He has been far from good, but the Pistons are not competing for a playoff spot. And at this point, what does it hurt to continue to play Dennis Smith Jr. and see if he can figure it out? I, I, I just think that the smartest decision for them is to continue to roll with Dennis Smith Jr. and Saban Lee. And then on a nightly basis, roll with the hot hand, hopefully, that one of them has. Um because Dennis Smith Jr. is still just 23, and he might have value as an NBA player. He hasn't had the best opportunity since his rookie season in Dallas. 
So you might as well, while you are one of the worst teams in the league, give him that playing time to see if there is anything there. Outside of those two, you can go to Frank Jackson if you really needed a third point guard. Um, I, I don't see the value in giving up an asset to bring in a point guard when you're hoping that DeLon Wright is back within a couple weeks and you're hoping that Killian Hayes can return to the court in probably a month or, or a little over a month in, in a hopeful scenario because that's your true point guard rotation when all things shake out. You're likely closing the season if both are healthy with Killian Hayes and DeLon Wright. Uh, unless DeLon Wright slides back into a two-guard spot and someone like Dennis Smith Jr. or Saban Lee has you know, showcased, hey, they deserve nightly minutes. DeLon Wright and Killian Hayes are likely your end-of-season point guard rotation, assuming that Hayes has healed enough to return to the court. I don't think it makes sense to, to, to trade uh, an asset to get another point guard. They just traded for a point guard in Dennis Smith Jr. You might as well allow him and Saban Lee the opportunity on a nightly basis to play, to develop. Uh, you have Frank Jackson if necessary. And again, you know, what is the cost of going and getting a placeholder point guard for a couple of weeks? Is it worth giving up some sort of asset? Not for the worst team in the league, no. I, I would agree with that, and I'm trying to scramble and find the roster. I don't think the Pistons have an open roster spot, do they? No, they don't. No, I didn't. I didn't think so because I was looking through the free agent point guards as well. I mean, there's your usual suspects lately: Yogi Ferrell, Tim Frazier, uh, Frank Mason, and Emmanuel Mudiay. I mean, he's like on the same sort of redemption path as Dennis Smith Jr., but even even more so, Shabazz Napier, Elia Kobo, Gary Payton II. Yeah, I think you're better off just sticking with Dennis Smith Jr., seeing what you got, and maybe, I mean, you really hope it's just the jitters at this point. I mean, he really got no playing time in, in New York. Emmanuel quickly just supplanted him almost immediately. Um, Derek Rose definitely would have supplanted him had he not been the return for Rose. And, uh, you know, I really hope it's just the jitters because there's really no reason that he should be nervous right now. I think the, the right mindset needs to be to just relax. You're in a, you're on the worst team in the league. Although I think the Cavs <laughs> would like to make an argument there <laughs> currently, at least. Hey, I saw your tweet you earlier. have playing time. Not a fan of your tweet from earlier. Well, we are coming, we're coming for at least a top three pick. How many point cards do you need? Although I guess how many point cards do the Cavs need? He's gonna look. I gonna look great with Killian Hayes and, and Sadiq Bay. That one, two, three that, combo is gonna be deadly. That will be a lot of fun. And then you can put Grant back his normal spot. Ooh, that is that is juicy. Um, I, I would be fine with Kaminga to be quite honest because he fits a lot of what the Cavs desperately, desperately, I like desperately him. need. But any, yeah, that that's for a you know a not so a not so distant future podcast is when we talk about draft stuff. Um, uh, yeah. I think you just roll with Dennis Smith Jr. See what he's got left or what he can provide. Maybe he's just trying to do too much. He is athletic. Um, 
he showed a lot of poise in college leading a pretty bad NC state team. He was very quickly shipped out of Dallas and fell out of favor in New York. So there's obviously a lot of question marks there, but for the next two weeks, or at least the duration of DeLon Wright's injury, you're going to face the magic again. That's who the Pistons play on the 23rd. That'd be tomorrow. They play the Pelicans the day after and then Sacramento followed by the last day in February, you played the New York Knicks and then you head into March playing Toronto and then the Knicks again on the 2nd and the 4th of March, respectively. So that's some not great teams and some not great defenses. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't assume the Knicks are a bad defense because they're the Knicks. They're actually playing pretty well this year and they do have a pretty okay defense. That being said, Orlando, the Pelicans, the Kings were on pace to be one of the absolute worst defenses. So there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity there to put up some points. I don't think you need to go get another point guard. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Roll with what you have. Roll with what you got. Maybe Killian Hayes does come back, and then you just bump the line down. Um, but it doesn't make any sense to move anybody for uh, a, a point guard right now. It's, it's just there are more pressing matters, and one of those pressing matters is to see what you got. Um, see what you have. So – that kind of leads into um, another discussion regarding Dwayne Casey. And this sort of came into the fold because the Minnesota Timberwolves recently moved on from Ryan Saunders. They replaced him with Chris Finch in a very bizarre, like it's had we not been going through a pandemic, I think this would have been a lot more bizarre. A, an assistant picking up and leaving from one team and going to another team immediately that's pretty weird. I don't know the last time that that's happened. Yeah. I, you know, I saw the tweet that, that the Timberwolves were moving on from Ryan Sanders. I didn't see the tweet until the morning that they already hired Chris Finch, but that only came like minutes after it was tweeted that they were moving on from Sanders or Ryan Saunders, excuse me. Uh, what a, what an odd thing. Like that's weird. That's got a, like it definitely hurts to lose your job, but to like have your replacement like what ready ready in the wings like right there, that's got to hurt a little bit more. Like that's right. Have we seen that before? Because I certainly don't recall this happening. From a different team, I don't think so. Not since Lionel Hollins. I got. I'll, I'll find the tweet. I think it was Lionel Hollins left and took the Memphis job. And he changed teams mid-season. And I think that's the last time that that's happened. And he was actually, I mean, that was a good move. That was the grit and grind Grizzlies who uh, one of, I think that's everybody, everyone has a soft spot for, for those, for those Grizzlies teams. I think that's the last time it's happened. And David Vanterpool, uh, a, a very uh, um, well-regarded assistant was passed up on the job and it was given to Chris Finch. who's also a very highly regarded assistant. I think being head coach was, in the, in the near future for him. Um, but, uh, but it sort of got us on the topic of Dwayne Casey. Uh, Bet online, which make of it what you will, they have Dwayne Casey as the second most likely um, candidate or head coach currently to be fired at the end of the season after Luke Walton. Um, so the Pistons have a very young team. They have a very unfinished team, a very unfinished product. They have Jeremy Grant, who's good, but Griffin's gone. 
you know, you're going to get Killian Hayes back. You're going to get a top three pick, hopefully in the draft. You know, this is far from a finished product. You're going to have a couple other moves in there to fill out the roster and whatnot. And then, then you'll be off to the races to move on to the next step of the rebuild. Is Dwayne Casey going to be here for that part of the rebuild or is he a candidate to be fired? You know, I, I guess there's some mixed thoughts on this, but I am, I didn't even think it would, it's, it's plausible to, to think that he will be fired at the end of the season. I think that Troy, or excuse me, Dwayne Casey is in an incredibly safe position. I think that there's an understanding that this is a change for the organization a change for the franchise and Troy Weaver seems to really be behind Dwayne Casey in, in fairness, this team granted, they have one of the worst records in the league does come out on a nightly basis and compete with every team that they play. There have been just a few games this year where they have been, you know, incredibly outplayed, didn't look good. You know, in general, they have competed in every game. They've beaten some good teams. They've taken teams to overtime. Like they have earned uh, their wins. They have earned their, you know, title as scrappy. Uh, You know, no one's getting through the Pistons easily on a given night right now. That's giving credit to Dwayne Casey where credit is due. When you look at this roster, when he has rookies contributing, starting, playing big minutes, taking a lot of shots, like that is good coaching. And there's something to be said about the culture that he is building in Detroit. It's allowed Jeremy Grant and Josh Jackson to have career seasons. It's allowed Sadiq Bay and Isaiah Washington, excuse me, Isaiah Stewart, to come in and have good rookie seasons, maybe great in terms of Sadiq Bay's year so far. And we'll see what happens with Dennis Smith Jr. and Sekou Dumboya and Killian Hayes when he returns. You know, can those guys try to replicate that type of success that these other players are having under Dwayne Casey, DeLon Wright, another example. And DeLon Wright was, you know, someone that said, I wanted to come to Detroit because I wanted to play for Dwayne Casey. And Wright has had probably his most productive season so far. Uh, He's averaging over 10 points per game, five assists. He's shooting the ball pretty well. Currently he's at 38.4% from the three-point line. That would be the second highest percentage in his career in his rookie season. He shot 38.5%. So he's right there. And he's also uh, shooting two more attempts per game on average. So really he's having a career year as well. Uh, Players are just playing better right now under Dwayne Casey. And I don't think that that they would be playing this well under different coaches. Um, I think that's where you have to give crazy credit. I think his job is as safe as it could be. I don't think that there's any thought process behind, oh, well, this team is really underperforming. Why are they coming out and getting blown out of the water every night? This isn't your typical rebuilding team. They're taking 
their opponent to the final whistle every game. They're winning games against good teams. And the young guys are looking good. So I, I think Dwayne Casey is very, very safe. Would not be worried about his job at all. I am incredibly confident that he will be the head coach next season. This is kind of what his thing was in Toronto as well, if I'm not mistaken. The Raptors were were terrible uh, at first. Looking at the record here, you know, 23 and 43 in his first year, bad. 34 and 48 in his second year, bad. 2013-14, okay. They're 48 and 34. They've grown up. They've made some moves. And now, you know, under him, they they never lost, um, you know, more than 33 games at all, um, on, you know, uh, uh, under him. 49, 33, 56, 26. I mean, they were a good team. So he started at the bottom, and they got better. And here is the real nail in the Dwayne Casey's going to be fired coffin. He's still under contract until 2024, making $7 million a year. I mean, Troy Weaver loves a good buyout, as we could see uh, by Blake Griffin. I don't think he's going to buy out Dwayne Casey. That just doesn't make a lot of sense unless Dwayne Casey's like, I don't want to be here anymore. I will forego $7 million annually to change teams. I've proved my worth here in Detroit that I could coach a playoff team. I just don't think that's the mentality um, at all. And I, and I don't think that the Pistons would like to do that. I think uprooting a rebuild by changing the coach too frequently is borderline. Um, uh, it's, 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 I mean, it's just horrible. It's, it's bad, as bad as it's bad. And it's, it, it gives you a bad reputation around the league and it's just mismanagement from the front office perspective. I mean, we see these coaches, we, we, we just saw one yesterday, the, you know, the Timberwolves, I consider a rebuilding team. They're still rebuilding after losing Jimmy Butler because he was obviously the best player on that team. It wasn't close, but you have Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. You just got the number one pick in Edwards. And, you know, they are a rebuilding team. They fired their head coach. And maybe it was warranted. He hadn't been good for some, some time, was not the guy to lead the way since Tom Thibodeau was the head coach. But you look at all these rebuilding teams – moving coaches around and the Philadelphia 76ers are an example of a team that did not, they stuck with Brett Brown. They stuck with them. They weathered the storm, which there were many, uh, the teams were horrifically bad, but they kept him in place. They arguably did not give him the correct tools to ultimately win when it mattered when he had Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, but they got better. They, grew together and I think that's really important and I just keep bringing it back to the woeful calves I mean they went from they went from Ty Lue said heck no get me out of here to Larry Drew who hated that first season so bad he almost never wanted to coach again to John Beeline now to J.B. Bickerstaff and J.B. is on this list of potential fired coaches too i mean he's right up he's right behind mike malone at 14 to 1 odds so it's like changing coaches all the time is almost just as bad if not if not worse for a rebuilding team than like blowing a draft pick or 
you know, you know, maybe getting hosed on a bit of a trade. It, it sets you back almost equally because it destabilizes whatever structure you were building and it gives you a bad reputation around the league. So I agree. I don't, I, I don't think they're going to move on from Dwayne Casey. They don't really have any incentive to from a financial or, you know, basketball court perspective. It, it's just, it's just not necessary to do that. Um, but it is interesting. So this is a fun little exercise. Um, Let's look at the list of coaches. I have it pulled up here. Dwayne Casey has the second highest odds. Let's go through the coaches. Which which coaches do you think do have higher odds than him to be fired? That that should be higher. I mean, Luke Walton being one. I don't know how much I agree with that, but it's the Sacramento Kings, so it's entirely possible that he is, you know, fired within the next couple of days. I don't. Um, Scott Brooks. I'm sorry, go ahead. I don't see why. I mean, Sacramento, they're not – they just always don't seem happy with their coach. You know, they had a good coach years ago in Mike Malone, and they let him go. So, I don't think anyone's ever safe in Sacramento. And, you know, to – Dave Yeager. Yeah. I mean, to their to their credit, it's not like they're good this season. They're 12-18. and 18, they're another team that started off the year pretty good, but has cooled off. I, I don't know. I, I don't think anyone's ever safe in Denver. I mean, uh, Sacramento. Pardon. Scott Brooks. He should like be Scott gone. Brooks should have been fired years ago. Yep. Steve Clifford. That that Orlando team is banged up. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could justify it. They made the playoffs last year, but they are banged up. No Markel Fultz. No Aaron Gordon. Evan Forney has missed some games. No Jonathan um, Isaac. No Jonathan Isaac. I mean, I don't – Steve Clifford. That's hard. I don't, I don't think so personally. I mean, he's not – maybe he's not your title-winning coach, but they're not a title-winning team anyway. I don't, I don't think that's a, a, a fair – I don't think that's fair to him. I, I would totally agree. It's much like the Charlotte days with him. Where you know they were okay, they never got over the hump. They maybe won a couple playoff games, but that was it. Lloyd Pierce, that that one's interesting to me. Considering how many moves the Hawks have made, their offense is—I was just looking at the stat the other day. Their offense is like for how many players that they have who are just knockdown shooters. Their offense is not very good. Um, they do have an okay offensive rating, but their shooting isn't very good. Middle of the pack, in, or I'm sorry, in um, true shooting percentage. Um, they're horrible defensively, obviously. Um, but they're 22nd in three-point field goals, 21st in three-point field goals attempted, and 20th in field goal percentage overall. I feel like they should be a lot better than that, considering the, the players that they have and the young players that have stepped up. DeAndre Hunter has been quite good, and he's missed some time. Cam Reddish came on stronger in the later part of last year. And you obviously have Trey Young, but you added Boyan Bogdanovich. You added uh, Daniel Gallinari. Um, so it's just really weird that their offense, which should have been pretty freaking good, is just not that good. Uh, and then Mike Malone and then J.B. Bickerstaff and Mike Budenholzer is right after there. And that kind of gets interesting. And the rest of the coaches are just whatever. Rick Carlisle's not going to get fired. Eric Spolster's not going to get fired. Terry Stotts isn't going to get fired. I don't know why Hornets would get rid of James Brago. And Stan McGunney's not getting fired. And Brad Stevens, I guess, unless the Celtics completely fall. 
through the cracks in the ice and drown, I don't see him being fired either. But I think that you can make the case that at least Lloyd Pierce and at least Scott Brooks be higher than Dwayne Casey on that list. Agreed. And one thing I'll say in the Hawks is it, it is very interesting that I, I, what I'll say is this, I would not put the, it past the Hawks firing Lloyd Pierce, even though I think it would be the wrong decision. I would not put it past them to do so because Travis Schlank and company have taken a very aggressive approach with this franchise. They're adamant about getting into the playoffs. It's why they were so aggressive in getting Boyan Bogdanovich and getting, um, or excuse me, Bogdan Bogdanovich and Danilo Gallinari in the off season. Uh, so I'm not, I would not be surprised if they made a quick decision and fired him because they seem, you know, hard pressed to get to the playoffs, kind of like the Pistons were a couple of years ago under Tom Gores and Ed Stefanski. Uh, so I could definitely see them making a change. Not that I agree with it, but I could see him doing it. Yeah, I don't agree with moving on from from Lloyd Pierce either. There's just something about him. I, I just like him as a coach. I don't know why, but that's a Trey Young uh, microaggression. Get me to the playoffs. I'm good enough right now type of move. Um, because it really started even last year when they traded for Clint Capella. You know, get me the big center. They were one of the teams that was in on Andre Drummond. They were one of the teams that was in on Steven Adams. And, you know, they end up getting Clint Capella, which has worked out pretty nicely. But I don't think they should move on from Lloyd Pierce necessarily. I think they need some more time. I mean, they added so many pieces. You can't just expect all those pieces to immediately fit perfectly in the machine and start spinning uh, flawlessly. It's going to take time. It's going to take practice, which a lot of these teams aren't really having much of. They're not really having much practice time. Um, and that's, that's playing a huge factor. So I, we kind of just are going to come back to it. Probably should not fire Dwayne Casey. Um, the Pistons have shown a nice ability to, at least this year, show stability in the face of some adversity. Um, they've shown the ability to uh, be reasonable with their players with Blake Griffin wanting out, you know, and, and they've shown the ability to draft well and get pieces um, through the draft, wherever that may be. It doesn't have to be top 10. You know, Jeremy Grant wanted to be here, wanted to play for Troy Weaver, wanted to play for Dwayne Casey. Those, those things can't be discounted, uh, especially in this current era of the NBA. On a side note, do you think the Pistons lead the league in players that their former teams, which they still had? Because they – have Delon Wright, and I would think the Mavericks would like his shot-making ability. And they have Jeremy Grant, who the Nuggets could most definitely need. Um, they're like – I mean, they beat the snot out of the Cavs, but that offense is so freaking good. If they had even, uh, you know, you know, 70% of this version of Jeremy Grant, they would be much better – defensively on the wing and they would have yet another offensive player to throw out there. Um, and then maybe Mason Plumley could count too. I, I don't know. I mean, he's a triple double machine now, apparently. <laughs> oh, I mean, they have a lot of players that these former teams, I think would really want. 
any, you could probably any of Wayne use. Ellington's teams. I mean, the guy's played for a lot of teams, so I think all of the that's very true would uh, like to have him. Um, that's an excellent point, Josh Jackson. Memphis, you know, he Memphis could use him. I, I get they just got Justice Winslow back, so that's another wing that they have alongside Dylan Brooks and Grayson Allen and Kyle Anderson, but. Hey, I, I think Josh Jackson is a guy that is just going to continue to get better. I mean, he's doing some really nice things right now, uh, and he is still very, very young. You can tell that he is still underdeveloped. So if he can continue to polish his game, like that is a player when you talk about polishing your game, that is the definition of a player that needs to polish his game. It's very raw, but it is talented. It needs to be smoothed out and, and become more refined. Yes, and I actually forgot that Justice Winslow was on the Memphis Grizzlies until I saw everybody – right, until until everybody was retweeting that one picture from the Grizzlies PR on on Twitter saying, oh, my God, he's active and playing. Um, good for Memphis. They just seem to find some strange diamonds in the rough always. But, yeah, the Pistons have some guys that I think the former teams of these players would could probably really use them back. Um. So it's nice that the, you know, that the Pistons are, are coming out on, on top and have some other teams a little bit green with envy. So Aaron, that's, that's the topics that we have. We just went through them all. Um, Dwayne Casey probably should be fired point guard position. Mm, stick it out. See what happens. See what the second half of the schedule is going to look like. And maybe uh, Killian Hayes will be able to come back and provide a little bit of stability and the most disappointing Piston, I think you could chalk it up to, other than Blake Griffin, uh, Seiku or Sfima Luke. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think we did a lot this podcast, and uh, we, we accomplished some good Piston discussion. I mean, it's, it's, it's not always easy to talk about the on-court, day-to-day, week-to-week performance of the team, but, you know, you – you'll find topics to talk about and pretty soon we're going to be talking about some draft stuff with this team, but I love how we can, we can get to all these different things in one show. I think, I think there's, you know, always going to be something to talk about with this team. There'll be different storylines. Hopefully uh, Killian Hayes will be back sooner rather than later. And we'll get to see him again this season. Um, we should have this is, the, this is the part where Blake Griffin signs with a different team, right? Yeah. Like and, we'll post the podcast and he'll sign with somebody. That's right. How this, that's how this goes. This is right? going to post. And then, Oh, Blake Griffin has been traded to the Miami heat for Myers Leonard and the, yeah. the, the, the corpse. Kelly of Olenek. Kelly Olenek. So he can uh, pull some elbows out of some, out of some uh, arms. Great, he's gonna rip freaking Sadiq Bay's oh. arm off in practice. Yeah, that Miami team did something. They you know, need a shot an arm. They do something. need a shot in there. They need they need Bradley Beal. They need Bradley Beal. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> here we go. I mean, I don't I don't mean to, you know, disparage that, but the Washington Wizards are playing well. 
Are they really? I haven't even. I haven't even. Washington Wizards are ten and seventeen. They have won four in a row. Wow. And don't look now, but they're only <laughs> they're only uh, three games out of the eighth seed, which is a huge, massive indictment of the Eastern Conference. Um, they've pulled all the way to thirteenth. The only yes, they're they're right the there. Right, and you know this is kind of what I thought of at the at the beginning of the year that you have Bradley Beal, you have Russell Westbrook. Those are not the worst cards to have in your hand if your goal is to make the playoffs. You could have far worse cards. And I'm sure that other teams won't say it publicly, but if you get into a playoff matchup, like if you are the Boston Celtics and you write the ship enough and you draw a matchup against the Washington Wizards, you're not going to be scared of them. But having Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal, those are two guys that if they cook for just three games out of like, like six, that's not a team that you want to play. You do not want to be on the wrong side of one of those two or both of them just blowing up. It's possible. No doubt. It's possible. It's possible. I don't know if Bradley Beal will get moved, but you know, maybe, but it won't be to the Detroit Pistons. No, certainly not. Hey, that's a that's a that's a pipe dream from like two seasons ago. You know, that's a 20, 2019 pipe dream. This is twenty twenty one now. Now, now, now we're trying to figure out how the Pistons are going to get more top draft picks. Right, or uh, how can we leverage Jalil Okafor? God, that that is the immediate <laughs> fall from grace. To let's get Bradley Beal to wonder wonder what teams we're willing to give up for Jalil Okafor. That oh, is goodness. I mean. If, if there is a teeter-totter, that is the world's biggest teeter-totter, and it has swung wildly to the other side. Um, <laughs> Aaron, a- anything else that you want to cover um, for this podcast or for the future of this podcast? or for? Uh, I think we better, quit. we better quit while we're ahead before we do a deep dive on Jalil Okafor. Um, but <laughs> I'll, I'll give you this. Very exciting times for the Palace of Pistons podcast excited for our future uh we're so thankful to all the supporters that have helped make this possible in our new partnership um we are looking forward to the future of the palace of business podcast some great shows perhaps some great guests um again thank you to everyone for your support over the years for making this possible truly never thought that i would you know be sitting in my basement uh you know four or five years ago whatever it was just wanting to talk about the pistons and convert it into something like this and have so many people on a weekly basis tune in, send messages asking, you know, my thoughts or this and that. So very, very much appreciated. Um, I'm very, very excited for the future of the podcast. Uh, so thank you everyone. Yes. And that was not a eulogy. It started to sound a little bit like a eulogy. This is not the end of the podcast. We're going to keep doing it. Um, but yes, some exciting things uh, to share down, down the road for, for the future of this pod. And uh, hopefully the future is just as exciting for the Detroit Pistons. And you can get all of that coverage and more at palaceofpistons.com as well. Check it out. We have lots of written articles. We have some excellent YouTube content as well. You can search us on YouTube. And, uh, oh, and this podcast, you know, keep listening to the podcast. Certainly present your thoughts to us. We'd love to hear it to make this show better. Um, We really do want to uh, expand ourselves uh, in how we cover the Pistons and how you want to see that coverage. We think that's very important. Um, so certainly let us know. 
wherever you get your podcasts, let us uh, know in the comments, in the reviews. Um, and please don't give us one star. We try really hard. Uh, one star is just cruel. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, Aaron, anything else? No, no. I think I think we've we've got it all in there. Um, I'm ready for for. I'm already ready for the next show. Let's let's just do it now. We'll pre-record it. Okay, we'll just get ready. Okay, so Derek Rose. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. With that, thank you all very, very, very much uh, for Aaron Johnson. I am Mike Angolano. This has been the Pal Spitzen Podcast, and we will see you next time. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube